I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Genesis chapters 27 through 29. In chapter 27, we have the continuing saga of that birthright thing. Verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Look, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. Now before we go any further here, There's an important fact of reality that we need to understand. 
Esau had already sold his birthright, that's the first son's status, to Jacob for a mere bowl of soup. It rightly belonged to Jacob. So let's look at Genesis chapter 25, verses 31 to 34, to fully understand the gravity of that occurrence. In Genesis 25, 31, we read the following. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. It's important to note that Esau did willingly sell his first son's status to Jacob. Now let's play the what-if game for a moment. What if Jacob had gone to Isaac in advance and told him plainly that Esau had bartered away his birthright to Jacob and had sealed the deal with a sworn oath? I am certain that the outcome would have been the same. You see, oaths were very sacred in that society. That oath would have been honored. However, Jacob and his mom deem it necessary to enter into a deceitful pact to ensure the success of the birthright transfer. Now, Isaac is 137 years old at this point in time, and there's a box on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today which shows how we calculate that. And he's blind, really, really blind. It was traditional to gather all the sons around when the deathbed blessings were to be given out. But Isaac only calls Esau on this occasion. Well, perhaps he was trying to sneak one by. He wants to bless Esau before his death. And ironically, he actually lives another 43 years. But first, he wants his birthright ceremony to be preceded with a good old home-cooked meal by his eldest son. Well, Rebecca has other ideas. When Jacob is hesitant, citing the resulting curse that may come upon him if he's discovered... Look what Rebecca says to persuade him to go through with it in verse 13. She says, Let your curse be on me, my son. In other words, if things go wrong and Isaac discovers the deception, she said, I'll assume the responsibility. But wait, there's one other component to this scenario. And that's the word of the Lord to Rebecca while she was carrying the twins back in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. That's when she was told the older shall serve the younger. Rebecca must have felt that her actions were validated by the Lord himself. While Esau is out shopping for the ingredients to the meal, Rebecca assists Jacob in pulling off the heist. They trick blind Isaac into blessing Jacob with the rights of the firstborn rather than Esau. Now keep in mind they were twins. Esau was just a few seconds older than Jacob. Moreover, they had struggled even in Rebecca's womb, we see back in Genesis 25:22. So Jacob, well, he probably always felt that he'd been unjustly edged out of the finish line anyway. Isn't it interesting that Isaac couldn't tell the difference between goat, meat, and venison? The Hebrew word used for venison there means hunted game. Now, one lie, by the way, didn't do it. Let's analyze Jacob's multi-lie transaction here. Lie number one was in verse 19, where it says, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Lie number two is in verse 20, when Isaac asked Jacob how he found, killed, and prepared the game so quickly, he replied, the Lord your God brought it to me. And then lie number three is in verse 24, when he's asked, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. 
Now, the first few times I read this story, I always wondered why, when Isaac realized the deception, he didn't simply retract the ill-gotten blessing based upon the dishonest measures by which it was obtained. Moreover, Isaac performed a rather involved identity confirmation, which concludes in verse 24, and he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. Would not any court of law throw this blessing out and perhaps even lock Jacob up for being an imposter and a scam artist? Well, not really. Because the fact is this. The birthright belonged to Jacob with or without the deceit. Esau had sold it to him and sealed the deal with an oath back in chapter 25. Like it or not, the blessing of the firstborn belonged to Jacob even before Isaac sent Esau out to bring home his pre-blessing meal. I'm confident that's the real reason the blessing stood. In actuality, it was Esau who was about to receive a blessing to which he had no right. The honorable thing would have been to say to Isaac, Oh, by the way, Dad, I transferred my birthright to Jacob and sealed it with an oath. So, Jacob and Rebekah, they weren't the only deceivers on the premises that day. So, let's recap that deceit. Esau... He was deceptive in that he intended to receive the eldest son birthright, which he'd bartered away and sealed with an oath. Isaac, what about him? Well, he intended to hold a secret ceremony 43 years before his actual death to award the birthright to Esau. What about Rebecca? Well, she committed conspiracy, identity falsification, big time. And what about Jacob? Identity falsification? and just plain old outright lying. Let's face it, the whole deal was shady. However, it turned out just as God had told Rebecca it would back in Genesis 25-23. Nobody fooled God. Incidentally, you may be amused to know that Jacob and Esau are 77 years old when this incident takes place. If you wonder about that, it's easy to compute, and it's in the information box, the yellow box on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today. So what's the big deal about this blessing anyway? Well, let's see in verse 27. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed." When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? 
Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass, when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. The essence of Isaac's blessing over Jacob is found in Genesis chapter 27-29, when he says, Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren." And let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Wow! That clearly declares it for Jacob to be Lord over your brethren, and that your mother's sons bow down to you. When Esau strolls in with his bless me now meal, Isaac's already awarded the contract to Jacob. Esau asks in verse 36, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? In verse 37, Isaac points out that the terms of his blessing of Jacob do not leave much wiggle room to award anything of major significance to Esau. Nonetheless, he does issue a blessing to Esau in verses 39 to 40. It goes like this. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Whoa! There are some alarming stipulations there in verse 40. Jacob better watch his back. That almost sounds like an invitation for Esau to do, well, to do Jacob bodily harm. Incidentally, Esau cites a difference without a substantive distinction in verse 36 when he says this, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. The Hebrew word there for birthright indicates the right of the firstborn, while the word for blessing is more, well, a general term and can actually be given to anyone. This blessing pronounced upon Esau, well, it was the blessing of the birthright. Esau's complaint of verse 36 had no real validity. Jacob didn't take away Esau's birthright. It was freely given, and the resulting blessing reflected that. We do see, however, that the covenant blessings originally issued to Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant are passed through Jacob, not Esau, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 4, which we'll look at in a few moments. Now, here's a really interesting aspect of this conflict that may not have occurred to you. We know from Scripture that Isaac was 137 years old when this blessing controversy took place. So if Isaac was 137 and he had twin boys when he was 60, how old does that make Jacob and Esau at this point in time? <laughs> That's right, 77 years old. Say, I told you that was interesting. Now, Esau had married back when he was 40. That happened back in Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. But Jacob had never married. Hey, Jacob, at 77, it's just about time that you started thinking about a wife. So then, Rebecca to Jacob in verses 41 to 46. Jacob, you need a vacation. Verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. 
And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Well, I wonder what Isaac had in mind in verse 40 when he said, You shall break his yoke from your neck. Whatever he meant, Esau intended to make it sooner than later. We see in verse 41 says, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Esau thought his father was about to die, so he decided to wait until after that to dispose of Jacob. I mean, who really knew that Isaac would live another 43 years? It was a good move on Jacob's part to heed his mom's advice and take a little vacation back to his mother's hometown while Esau cools off some. The pretense of the visit was to keep Jacob from doing what Esau had already done, marrying a local woman, a Canaanite. She obviously didn't have a good relationship with her Hittite daughters-in-law. As seen in verse 46, when she says, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. Incidentally, prior to Israel's return to Canaan after the exodus from Egypt, Israel's commanded to drive out these local inhabitants from Canaan, the Hittites included. Rebekah didn't want Jacob marrying a local Canaanite woman as Esau had already done. Look at the notes on Genesis chapter 24 if you want to gain some more insight into the family thinking regarding this marriage thing to Canaanites. As a matter of fact, Rebekah says to Isaac, in essence, in verse 46, I'd rather be dead than to see Jacob marry a Canaanite. And Rebekah knew what she was talking about, too. I mean, Esau had already been married to a Hittite woman for the last 37 years, we see in Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. Then we see in chapter 28 that Isaac reconfirms his blessing to Jacob before sending him away. Verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples, and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Well, Isaac categorically states to Jacob, you may not marry a Canaanite. Jacob is instructed to go marry a relative. Isaac then reconfirms that the promises given to Abraham will now pass through to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verse 4 here, when he says, And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abraham. 
So here we see the first outcome of having received the blessing instead of Esau. The blessing of Abraham is passed on through the lineage of Jacob. Incidentally, Padan Aram is the name of the district in Mesopotamia lying around the area of Haran. So then Esau attempts to get back on track in verses 6 through 9 here. Verse 6, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac, so Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebuchadnezzar, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. Well, now realizing that Isaac didn't appreciate the fact that Esau had married local women, Esau takes more wives from among kinfolk, Ishmael's descendants. You'll recall from Genesis chapter 21, verse 21, that Ishmael's first wife was an Egyptian woman. And then in verses 10 through 22, God himself confirms his promises through Jacob. Verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house." And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Well, Jacob leaves his parents and his brother behind in Beersheba. And then he has a vision on his way to Padan Aram, the area up in Mesopotamia where Haran is located. It's about 500 miles or so. It's the Jacob's ladder vision where God passes the blessings given to Abraham on down to Jacob. Even though Abraham had already been there, we see in chapter 28, verse 13 here, that Bethel was named on this occasion by Jacob. The name Bethel comes from a compound Hebrew word meaning house of God. Jacob's blessing, well, it comes in the form of a dream where he sees a ladder stretched to heaven. During the dream comes the following message. 
And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. That's verse 13. Now verse 14. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now take notice of verses 20 and 21. Here's what they say. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Does it seem as though Jacob's commitment to the Lord had been a little maybe lacking prior to this vision? Well, Jacob then pledges a tenth unto God. Well, we find up in... um, up near Haran, that the well is a great place to meet prospective wives. Remember? Remember back with Rebekah, Isaac's wife? Verse 1. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it, for out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, They would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, Look, it is still high day. It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together. And they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now while he was yet speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Now think back with me. Wasn't it at this very same well that Abraham's servant picked up Isaac's wife, Rebekah? Maybe Rebekah told Jacob before he left home where all the hot spots were up in Haran. Anyway, that's where Jacob meets Rachel, helps her water her flock, kisses her. She runs home to ask dad if she can keep him. Rachel's father was Laban, the brother of Jacob's mother, Rebekah. The Hebrew word translated brother in verse 12 in the King James Version also means relative. Jacob and Rachel were actually first cousins. Rachel's dad, he's thrilled. We take it now in Genesis chapter 29, beginning with verse 13. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are bone in my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing, tell me what should your wages be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. 
stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. By the way, there's also Rachel's older sister, Leah. Notice the distinction between the two girls in verse 17. It says Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful form and appearance. Now, the Hebrew word for delicate, or as the King James Version has it, tender-eyed, means that she was soft and gentle. So he got one soft and gentle sister and another who's, well, beautiful. Soft and gentle would be nice. Yeah, but who cares? Rachel's beautiful. So they immediately make the deal on Rachel, seven years of labor for Laban, and the girl is his. But then in verse 21, Laban does the old bait-and-switch thing. Verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. All right, who says you can't con a con? Jacob, remember he'd done the identity falsification on his father, and Laban does it on Jacob. After seven years of labor, he wakes up the morning after his marriage to discover that he's married the wrong woman. Rachel's not as beautiful sister, Leah. Marriages were done differently back then. The actual marriage consisted only of the consummation of the relationship. So how could something like this happen? Well, I think back to Lot. Remember Lot? He drank too much, and he ended up having sexual relations with his daughters in his semi-conscious state. Well, here in verse 22, Laban threw a wedding night feast. I'm certain that wine was a big part of that feast also. The next morning, he's married to Leah. Well, here's the lesson. Do not drink and marry. Jacob gets Rachel, but subsequently works seven more years for her. So in the space of a few days, Jacob goes from no wife to two wives. By the way, after the law of Moses was given, it became a violation of the law to marry the sister of your wife in Leviticus chapter 18. Now, it should be noted here that the girls, Leah and Rachel, were given from Laban handmaids after their marriages. Zilpah was given to Leah and Bilhah to Rachel. These handmaids each end up bearing two sons to Jacob to round out the twelve tribes from Jacob. Now let's get the timing correct here. After Jacob spends his first night with the delicate or tender-eyed Leah, he's told by Laban that he still needs to fulfill her week before he can be awarded Rachel as well. The bridal week was full of fun and festivities, at least for everyone (laughs) except Jacob. At the end of the week, Jacob is given Rachel as well. The chronology of the births that take place of Jacob's children dictates that Leah and Rachel were married to Jacob within the space of a week. The math doesn't work otherwise. In verse 31, let the childbearing begin. 
When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Well, let's face it. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. As a matter of fact, verse 31 says, The Lord saw that Leah was unloved. Well, here's the remedy. Allow Leah to have all the kids, four of them, while Rachel, well, she appears to be barren. Incidentally, when you have a promise from God that your seed will prosper, kids are very important. When we get over to chapter 30, we're going to see the 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 children that were born to Jacob and to Leah and to Rachel and their handmaids. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.